Before we begin today's episode of Skincare School, we acknowledge First Nations people as the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia. We recognise and pay our respects to Elders past, present and future whose lands were never ceded. Welcome back to another season of Skincare School. I'm Amy Clark and I'm joined by science educator, chemistry PhD and cosmetic chemist Michelle Wong, aka Lab Muffin Beauty Science. This week on Skincare School. If you can't commit to wearing broad spectrum sunscreen every morning, you're not ready to start on vitamin A. Go super slow. Slower than you think you need to be. Like whatever you're about to do, just halve it. Kind of like how Coco Chanel would be like, take one accessory off before you leave the house. Like when you go to do your skincare routine, just dial it back. I feel like this episode is almost like a learn from all my fails episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back. This is season two of Skincare School. If you're new here, welcome. This is Skincare School, a podcast where we discuss all things skincare, skin concerns, and just how to navigate the sometimes confusing and overwhelming world of skincare. And if you're coming back, having listened to season one, welcome back. Great to have you. Michelle and I are so excited to be back. This semester, I guess, if we're going with the school theme, is going to be a little bit different to last semester. So previously we had, you know, our lesson plans and our pop quiz when I was kind of interrogating Michelle on how to answer this pop quiz. But this season will be a bit different. Each week we're going to dive deep into specific topics that we're always asked about. Then we'll answer listeners' questions, which I'm so excited about this. Thank you to everyone that has written in or sent in their question. Cannot wait to get stuck into that. So now, this week, troubleshooting vitamin A. Is this a common question that comes up for you, Michelle? It comes up all the time. I would say vitamin A is probably the trickiest skincare ingredient to get into your routine because so many people, their skin just freaks out. Yes, and I think too, I'm going to take the full blame for this, but beauty editors or skin influencers, it's always like, be careful, guys, like big bad retinol, like be careful. And so a lot of people, even just my friends in my group chat are like, I'm scared to start retinol or, you know, I don't want to burn my face off. And so today we are going to be troubleshooting all of those main vitamin A questions. And I say troubleshooting because even though this ingredient can do so many great things for your skin, you can run into some trouble if you're not considered about how you add it into your routine. So, Michelle, first of all, have you had any vitamin A incidents, shall we call them? I have had so many. I feel like this episode is almost like a learn from all my fails episode Yeah, because it happens. And even when I'm really experienced, sometimes I just forget and just go a bit overboard. So we're going to go through a lot of techniques. It's kind of comforting to be like, if the skincare expert has made a retinol or vitamin A mistake, then that makes me feel a lot better about myself and hopefully for the listeners as well. But first off, a lot of what we talk about in season two, you're going to be referencing back to season one because season one was really those fundamentals, back to basics. We're explaining a lot of those words and terms. So for a full recap of what vitamin A is, the different types and how it works, go back and listen to episode four of season one. And now we're just going to get stuck into the nitty gritty today, Michelle. Can we start with explaining the difference between prescription retinoids versus over-the-counter vitamin A products like, say, a retinol serum? 
I guess the obvious difference is that prescription, you can only get it from a doctor. So you have to go there, get a script, and they will tell you about all the potential side effects and also tell you whether or not it's right for you. Prescription retinoids include ingredients like tretinoin and adapalene, which is better known as different. And depending on where you are in the world, some of these are not prescription in some countries. There's also isotretinoin, which is better known as Roaccutane, and that is an oral drug, which we won't talk too much about because it's like a bit outside of skincare, but that is commonly prescribed for acne. And then on the other hand, we have the over-the-counter ones where you can go into a shop and just buy it or buy it online. With over-the-counter or cosmetic retinoids, there's a bunch of those as well. The strongest one is probably retinol, and then you've got the weaker ones, things like granactive retinoid and the retinoid retinol esters. These are things like retinol retinoate and retinol palmitate, which are a bit weaker. So they have less of that guarantee of effectiveness, but they do tend to have less side effects, which we will go deep into. But yeah, I guess very, very generally prescription retinoids, they tend to be stronger. You'll probably get more of an effect, but they do tend to have more side effects. And with prescription retinoids, you tend to have more boring formulas. Because they're regulated as medications, they just are in a very bland formula and they won't have much in there to sort of buffer that irritation that you might get. Whereas with cosmetic retinoids, you can get a whole bunch of different formulas. There's less of a guarantee of effectiveness and also stability because that isn't regulated. But they do sometimes have ingredients in them that can help your skin adjust more easily. Yeah, and I think the thing that I see heaps in beauty Facebook groups and things like that with prescription retinoids is, as you said, it's not quite as user-friendly or there's not as much language on the packaging around how to use it. It's really guaranteeing that you're A, listening to your GP or whoever's prescribed it to you, and B, having some base foundation knowledge of how to add it into your routine. So there's definitely pros and cons to both, but talking about things that can go wrong, what are these kinds of key issues that people run into when adding a vitamin A product into their routine? The side effects that you get from vitamin A, they're really just the standard ones you would expect. Things like peeling, irritation, and redness. The most annoying thing though, I think, is that there is a delay with these side effects. Usually they come on the second day. So you kind of get lulled into this false sense of security. You're like, well, I woke up, it's fine, everything's great, I'll use it again. And then you end up with really, really irritated skin, it's peeling, it's red for weeks, and you kind of have to baby your skin for ages, everything stings, until it recovers. And yeah, as you can probably tell, this is exactly what I did, so don't do that. This sounds a lot like when you start a new workout routine. I mean, not that I personally, I don't go to the gym, but for those people that do go to the gym, you go hard and then you wake up the next day, you're like, oh, I'm not really that sore. Like I'm going to just go gung ho again. And then you can't sit down on the toilet for like five days because you're so sore. So I definitely can relate to that delayed effect. And so I guess the key is how do we avoid these things? How do you add vitamin A into your routine and become kind of a regular vitamin A skincare user without impairing your skin barrier or having some of those physical symptoms like the peeling, the dryness, the irritation? So I would say the most important thing to remember is to start slow and it's slower than you think. And yeah, I feel like a lot of people's approach to skincare is pretty similar to their approach to the gym. Have you had much retinoid irritation, Amy? 
I, I mean, I have a notoriously baby face that is very sensitized. Most of my vitamin A experience is in the granactive retinoids, the retinoid esters, retinol esters, that really kind of low, gentle approach. Also, because I have super dry skin. So I love those over-the-counter formulas that are packed with heaps of other cushiony ingredients. Yeah, that's kind of been my approach. I've definitely stuffed my skin barrier, which we might save that for a later episode where we're talking about the skin barrier, but I have not had one of these horror vitamin A stories. Touch wood. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it's smart because I think the first time I used a retinol, I actually feel like I made my broken capillaries worse which is pretty bad because you can only really get rid of them with like an in-office therapy, like a laser therapy, which is pretty scary. And that's actually why I got turned off retinol. So I guess, yeah, how not to be like Mm -hmm. me. Step one. Go super (laughs) slow. Slower than you think you need to be. Like whatever you're about to do, just halve it. Because going slow gets you there faster rather than crashing your skin car, I guess, and having to baby your skin. Yes, I love that. Or even kind of like how Coco Chanel would be like, take one accessory off before you leave the house. Like when you go to do your skincare routine, just dial it back. There's always that like temptation for instant, like we want that instant gratification. I want to wake up the next day glowing like an angel. But yeah, when it comes to vitamin A... Slow and steady wins the race. Definitely. What else? Usage advice. So things like what other kinds of things do we need to look out for? Like are people using too much? Yeah. So I would say look at the instructions and maybe don't do them because a lot of the time the instructions are for like the maximum. Yeah. Once you're used to it. Right. Clever. Usually it says use a pea-sized amount, but I would say probably start with a quarter pea. So be really careful with that. And with a pea size, it is actually a bit too little to spread over your face. So I would mix it with a cream because again, learn from my fail. I started with a pea size. I ran out halfway over my face. So I used a second pea and that was not a good idea Mm. (laughs) as you can tell. Yeah. So spread it out, use a cream, maybe also dot it over your face and spread out each section so that you kind of ration it out over your face first. I think this is probably pretty obvious, but stop all of your other irritating ingredients like acid exfoliants and vitamin C before you start on vitamin A. You can add them back in later, don't worry. Just stop it for now until your skin has adjusted. Make sure you're using gentle products for everything else. So you want a gentle cleanser, probably fragrance-free, probably something that doesn't strip your skin too much, and a rich moisturizer. Other specific tips... This one, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but if you have dry skin, it's actually less permeable than wet skin. Oh, like as in physically. I was like, dry skin, my ears prick up whenever it's like anything for dry skin type, but you mean actually physically dry versus damp. Exactly. Yeah. So not many people know this, but if your skin is wet, so right after cleansing, or if you put on some really hydrating ingredients, then stuff actually gets through your skin more easily. So for your first trip with vitamin A, cleanse your face, wait an hour, let it dry down properly, and then put the vitamin A on. And then in terms of frequency, maybe start with like once or twice a week. And again, build up to the amount you're trying to get to, which is probably what's on the instructions. Also try to avoid the more sensitive areas of your face. So usually this is around your nose and mouth in that sort of lower nose region. Yes. That tends to peel a lot. 
Yes, I would definitely say as someone who has had perioral dermatitis, which you got to go see a GP or a dermatologist if you think you might have perioral dermatitis, but it's that area around the folds around your mouth. What I like to do, a little tip, is sometimes I'll apply, I mean, we'll talk about buffering in a second, but I like to apply like a swipe of some kind of barrier cream, like a moisturizer or even like my La Roche-Posay Cicaplast or just something so that there is just that bit more of a physical barrier because sometimes when you're rubbing things in, you can be very careful and we'll do, you know, working quadrants of the face. But then sometimes the ingredients still migrate, make its way there. So that's just a little tip for anyone that's worried about flaring up any area of the face. Chuck like a bit of something underneath and that will act as a little bit of a, just like a physical barrier. So yeah, that is probably my biggest recommendation for anyone whose face is super sensitive. So especially if you've burned and crashed before with vitamin A, you probably want to buffer things, which is, yeah, putting that layer on underneath and also around the areas that you don't want to get stuff on. The other big recommendation I would say is something called short contact therapy, which is where you use the product almost like a mask. You put it on for 15 minutes and then you wash it off. Ah. And that just sort of limits how much is on your face and how long it can get into your skin for. And yeah, this works for anything where it's a bit irritating, where you want to go slow, but especially for vitamin A. Yeah, great tip, especially for those people using if you are going down the prescription route where it's like we're talking the big guns. And of course, it goes without saying, but we're going to say it again and again and again, always wear your sunscreen. So I like to say if you can't commit to wearing broad spectrum sunscreen every morning, you're not ready to start on vitamin A. Might be a bit of tough love, but it's the most important thing because using any kind of resurfacing skincare ingredient like vitamin A will make your skin more susceptible to, you know, sun damage, which then it's kind of just counterintuitive. So now we've covered how to avoid retinol face. The other troubleshooting question I get a lot is, how do I know when it's time to move up in strength? How do I know when my skin has kind of reached its tolerance level for a certain strength? Then also, how do I increase? That's a really good question because I think a lot of people increase strength for any skincare before their skin is really ready. And Yeah, it's especially bad for vitamin A, as most of you have probably worked out already. So my general rule of thumb is if your skin's been coping for a few weeks, then it's ready to step up. So by coping, what I mean is there's no more flaking. Your skin isn't stinging with products that don't normally sting. That is probably the number one sign of a damage barrier. If things that shouldn't sting are stinging, because that means stuff is getting through your barrier is less intact than it normally is. In terms of how to step up, there's a lot of different ways. So like we said, start really slow. So you can go up in lots of different ways. You can use the product more frequently. There are studies that have found improvements with using vitamin A twice a week, but they found that you get better results if you use it up to every night. So yeah, more regular use. You can also increase the amount you're using. So go from quarter P to half P to a full P. You can apply it to your damp skin after cleansing so that more can get into your skin. And of course, you can also switch to a stronger product with a higher percentage or a stronger ingredient. And I guess the key thing here before we go into what sorts of products you might want to try is change one thing at a time. Don't try to step it up in 15 different ways at the same time because you know what will happen. Your skin car will crash. Yeah. And the other thing too 
is not everyone needs or might want to use prescription retinoids. Not everyone might even want to use retinol. Like if your skin's feeling and looking really happy and healthy using your Granactive retinoid product or if you're using retinol, you don't have to just do more because you can. So always keep that in mind. It's not a competition. But in terms of products to try, I think the most no-brainer way to move within that vitamin A spectrum, I guess, is to pick a brand or a product that comes in different strengths. So when you find a product that you like, how great is it when you can have the same product but just in a slightly higher strength? It just takes all the confusion out of it. Two come to mind, and these are actually pretty well-priced, around the $85 mark to up to 180 ish Australian dollars. The Medicaid Crystal Retinol range is one of our most popular at Adore Beauty. This one has retinaldehyde, which is a fairly strong form of vitamin A that you can get over the counter, but it comes in one, three, six, and 10. So it's kind of like if you've used number three, if you've gone through two tubes of number three, then you're like, cool, maybe I'll move up to six. And it's just like a really easy way to go up and down. Same with the SkinCeuticals retinol range. So this is a retinol product, comes in 0.3% and 0.5. So that's kind of like, if you're just like, oh, I don't want to stuff this up. I just want someone to have done the hard work for me. Pick a range like that. Any final words on vitamin A, Michelle? We've really drummed that message of go low, go slow into everyone. So I feel like hopefully that will protect you all from my fate. I guess the other thing is just vitamin A is the gold standard ingredient or category of ingredients in skincare. It is good for so many things. So for a lot of people, it is worth it to go through all of this pain, this long, painful process of getting your skin to adjust. And I guess also in terms of the time required as well, it differs for different people. Some people I know have had zero side effects with vitamin A and I am super jealous, but that is a very small fraction of people. But I've also known people who have taken six months to work their way up to a reasonable amount of vitamin A. So yeah, everyone is different. Just listen to your skin. I'm really excited for our listener questions this season. Because last season it was just me throwing rapid fire questions at you, Michelle. So you're probably also really glad to just be tackling one listener question at a time. But we've got such a great mix of questions for this season. So here is today's listener question. Hello, I am a 26-year-old and a mother to a beautiful, energetic 15-month-old. Ever since I had my baby, I've noticed that around my eye area underneath and also like in the crow's feet area, I've developed significant fine lines. Is there anything that I can do at my age to help stop this getting any worse? Thanks. I mean, we're starting with a doozy of a question because fine lines and wrinkles around the eyes, probably one of the top skincare concerns around there. And then eye care, eye creams and eye serums, one of the most contentious skincare topics. So we're doing both at once. My initial thoughts everyone will have fine lines around the eyes. You know, we smile. It's such a dynamic area of the face that it's almost inevitable. So just know that everyone has fine lines and wrinkles around the eyes. They're completely normal. It's okay to do nothing about them, but it is okay if you do want to add things into your routine to manage that particular skincare concern. I am inclined to say in terms of stopping them from getting worse, quote unquote, 
There isn't really a skincare product that will have the same effect as an anti-wrinkle injection. That's the most effective way because you're physically like preventing those facial muscles from moving. And so less movement equals less kind of crinkling of the skin. But what are your thoughts in terms of this question and skincare options, Michelle? I'm in an age group where a lot of my friends are having babies. And yeah, I hear this a lot. And I think the first thing is don't freak out. Because you have just popped out a human. That's just like casually quite a large achievement. So you're right. (laughs) Yeah, you have grown a human inside you for nine months. Like your body is stressed. Yeah, and you're going to probably be tired. Yeah, so there's a lot of temporary things that can affect how our skin is. And finalized, one of the biggest causes is just dehydrated skin. And sometimes, even in clinical studies you find that if you just moisturize the skin really well, the fine lines reduce a lot. So I think that would be your first port of call. Double check that you are looking after yourself properly. You're getting a bit more sleep. Maybe don't freak out if you can't get enough sleep. Like once you can get more sleep, a lot of these things will probably be a lot less obvious. So there's one thing with dehydrated skin, which is we kind of assume that if we just drink more water, our skin will get better. And it does, but putting stuff in from the top is actually super effective because if you think about where the water goes like pretty much the last bit is your skin there's so many other organs that probably need that water before my face exactly yeah so we can put things on on top things like an eye cream most eye creams are especially formulated to deal with fine lines because that is such a common problem so they tend to be really good at hydrating I guess this is your controversial issue a lot of the time you don't need an eye cream there are lots of products that will work just as well as an eye cream it's just that The eye cream is like the no-brainer option where it is especially made for around the eyes. You don't have to worry as much about things like milia. It has things that target common problems around the eyes. So that's what I think of that issue. I 100% agree with the idea that an eye cream is not a must-have. It's a nice-to-have if, A, you can be bothered, if you actually have concerns around the eyes. So for this person, if they're specifically concerned about the appearance of fine lines around the eyes and they have the financial means to spend or invest in an eye cream, great. Retinol eye creams or vitamin A eye creams, which is quite fitting considering we literally just went through all the troubleshooting of vitamin A. There are so many different vitamin A eye creams on the market. La Roche-Posay, Medicaid, Murad, Elabache are just some of the most popular ones. And as Michelle said, you can mostly trust that a product that has been formulated to be used around the eye area, it means that that ingredient has been formulated to not cause irritation on the eyes. But then hydration-wise, and peptides too, I feel like a lot of eye creams come with peptides now, which can be, I guess, if you don't want to use vitamin A around the eyes, try something like the SkinCeuticals AGE eye cream. You could also try the Cosmetics Opti Crystal Liquid Eye Serum. This is that one. It looks like unicorn tears. It is like a targeted eye serum that has peptides and a bunch of other ingredients. I mean, that kind of wraps up the skincare as well as the cosmetic side of things. But you made a really good point, Michelle, around sunscreen and sunnies. Yeah, so prevention is really important. So one of the biggest causes of any sort of textural change in the skin 
is UV from the sun, especially in Australia. So UV breaks down collagen and elastin in the dermis, which is kind of like the underlying mattress of our skin. So if the mattress is sagging, then the top will start showing wrinkles. So yeah, sunscreen, if you're not already using a sunscreen every day and getting it close to your eyes, then that would be a really good option and that will prevent future worsening, I guess. And make sure you use it every day because all that in-between UV exposure also adds up. You might think you're just popping out of the car to go to the office, but that will add up over time, especially in summer in Australia. Some people might say, oh, but when I put sunscreen, it stings near my eyes. Then you'll want to be looking for a sunscreen that is you know, formulated for more sensitized skin or if you have reactions. Hmm. And then sunnies. Tell me about sunnies. I mean, I always wear sunnies, mostly because it just completes my outfit. But you're telling me there's a a more skincare related reason too. Yeah. So sunglasses are actually a really good way of blocking sunlight. I think a lot of the time we think of sunscreen as the obvious answer. And it is a lot of the time. But There are a lot of issues with sunscreen, which is like the fact you have to reapply, you can apply the wrong amount. There's just a lot of user error. So I think especially if you've just had a baby, sunglasses might be an easier option. So yeah, pick a pair of sunglasses that has a big coverage area and maybe like thick sides as well, just so you get that extra shade. And of course, hats as well and just staying out of the direct sun. Love that. So none of these tiny 90s sunglasses. We're talking the big ass shades that literally it's like, I just had a baby. Don't mess with me. Hopefully that has been helpful. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Skincare School. You'll find everything we spoke about referenced in the show notes. Got more skincare questions? Well, did you know that there's a whole team of experts and product specialists waiting to answer them on our Adore Beauty live chat? You can jump onto the adorebeauty.com.au website and chat to our team of real people in real time. And while you're there, tell us what you think, leave a review and a rating, and don't forget to tell everyone in your life about Skincare School. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe in your podcast app and you'll get a notification the second that our next episode drops. 